1: with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, you only need to establish two primary facts to show that Christianity is true. You have to show that God exists. And then secondly, you have to show that Jesus rose from the dead. Because if God exists and Jesus rose from the dead, It's quite easy to show that Christianity is true and that the Bible is indeed the word of God. Now, the second question here, did Jesus rise from the dead, has a brand new go-to resource. The resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth in the first century, all the evidence that could be compiled into one book finally has being compiled into one book by the great Dr. Gary Habermas. The new book is called on the resurrection evidences volume one. It came out this month. It's over a thousand pages long and it's only the first of four volumes. And it's always a great pleasure to have Gary on the program. He's been working on this for decades decades the resurrection gary it's got to be a great pleasure to see this volume one finally out tell our our listeners and viewers what's what's in volume one
0: well it's uh just short of 1100 pages and uh well there's (laughs) so much we start with philosophy and history what are the Mm -hmm. nature of philosophy and history Philosophy of history, historiography, postmodernism in history, and method. And then we go to the background. And the background is: did Jesus exist? Uh, what's the definition of miracle? That might sound like a really easy question, but you could easily do a master's thesis on what's a definition of miracle. And uh, Did Jesus Exist? We do some background deals with Jesus a Miracle Worker. That's interesting. That's background because virtually every critical scholar writing today concedes that he was a healer and an exorcist. And, and I should say something, Frank. When these guys who don't even believe in the resurrection concede this stuff, you say, well, what the heck are they conceding? If they don't believe in demons and they don't think people are really healed, what are they conceding? What they're conceding is the Gospels are... Strong enough truth. I mean, they're close enough that when Jesus healed people and cast out demons, they don't have to, the scholars don't have to believe in demons, but Jesus did and the people did. So what they're saying is, What Jesus did in those stories in the Gospels, either the stories themselves or very similar ones, really occurred. Jesus was really healing, and Jesus was casting out demons. If all casting out demons means is he was healing them of emotional or mental disease, as sometimes we talk about schizophrenia and other things, they they grant that that stuff happens. They don't talk about what it is, where it is on the supernatural chart, and they don't talk about whether they believe it. Um, Marcus Borg, for example, one the, the late Marcus Borg, one of the founders of the Jesus Seminar, said we should keep in mind that on historical grounds, he says it is virtually impossible to believe that Jesus healed and exercised. Uh, so he was a healer. He was a miracle. He was a worker in that sense. They believe all that. All right. Then we jump into the resurrection. And there's two long arguments in the book. One is for the minimal facts argument, several hundred pages, and then there's fewer hundred, but it's still hundreds of pages on the five resurrection chapters in the Gospels. I don't think that's five Gospels, but it's five chapters. Matthew 28, the first eight verses of Mark 16, Luke 24, the longest of these chapters, John 20, John 21. And then I spend time on the first 11 verses of Acts 11, which goes up to the ascension. So, there's a minimal facts argument of about, well, in my manuscript copy, it was 600 pages. And there's a gospel argument for reliability and people who think that minimalists don't do reliability. It's just silly and a mistake they make oftentimes because this book was, that part of the book was written two years ago, uh, maybe three years ago. And it's been there all the time. And, um,
1: well, you know, Gary, I've been so, through much of this. Go all, broke- all
0: the way through, and there's a chapter on the end, the last chapter before some appendices. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I am just going to say the last chapter is called Moving from the Disciples Thought They Saw Jesus, which is conceded by everybody. Moving from Jesus Thought They Thought They Saw Jesus to They Really Saw Jesus, and that's how the book ends before the appendices.
1: Well— As I say, I've been through much of this book already, and it is now the go-to resource, ladies and gentlemen, for anybody that wants to know the truth about the resurrection, the evidence for the resurrection, what scholars across the board believe about the resurrection. This is the book to get by Dr. Gary Habermas. Most of you know that Gary has been studying the resurrection for decades. He's probably the top scholar in the world on it now. He teaches at Liberty University. He's been there for decades and this book is the book to get. Again, it's only volume right. one. Here this it is, is it, Gary. Right for here. those of you that can, for those of you that can, are watching the uh, the YouTube uh, in our cross-examined community, Gary's holding the book up right now. It is literally about 1,100 pages. I got the Kindle version so I could search it and highlight it. It is an amazing resource. But Gary, before we get into this, we've got to move. Or we've got to respond to an objection that people like Bart Ehrman have. And you quote Bart Ehrman over and over in this in this work. He is the skeptical New Testament scholar who teaches at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. You've debated him several times. Michael Lacona has and many others have. uh, I mean, uh, William Lane Craig has. But I heard Bart Ehrman recently say miracles can not occur. They don't occur. He's essentially saying naturalism is true. So there's no way we could show that Jesus rose from the dead. How would you respond to him?
0: Well, first of all, <laughs> I I take when I teach courses, I use colors for Bart's book. His black book is Did Jesus Exist? His red book is How Jesus Became God. Okay, in his red book, the second one, he says historians can tell that Jesus did X, Y, Z. And they can even entertain the question of whether Jesus died on the cross, which he thinks is absolutely true, and that he was walking around and talking later. He said historians can do that kind of stuff. But you're right. He says they cannot connect it to the hand of God. They cannot say God caused this event because that's not historical. Okay. So that's what I was talking about when I said these scholars believe Jesus did wonders, healing, Exorcisms, whether they believe in demons or not, they think those things happen. The main thing to go after this thing, Frank, I've got a I've got treatments of it in both the first two volumes. The main thing is there is no argument that proves naturalism. Mm. Naturalism anymore when you debate atheists, you know, subcategory. When you debate atheists, they want to say of late, even sophisticated ones, I am an atheist. What don't you understand about atheist? And then I'll say, if you're a millennial, you don't believe in a millennium. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in. I don't believe that I'm not a theist. And if you say I'm sorry, that's a position. What's your argument for it? Oh, I don't have to give you an argument. I'm only saying I'm not a theist. Not a theist is a position. And mm-hmm. and I've told guys in debates, not Bart. I now I haven't debated Bart by the way, but um atheists one day one atheist said to me, I'm just saying I'm not an atheist. And I said, That's a worldview. He said, It's not a worldview. I'm not an atheist. I said, Listen all you need to take is an inter- introduction to philosophy course. I said, an introduction will probably be enough for you. You can't make assertions and not have a burden of proof. Mm-hmm. And when you have a burden of proof, you have if you're gonna say, I'm not an atheist, you gotta tell me why you're there. They can't do it. They can say what they aren't. They can give you an autobiographical comment. I am not atheist. Okay, wonderful, that's great. But you can't prove it, atheism's true. You, well, let's, let's say naturalism or materialism. Now, oftentimes the two are, I won't get into this, Frank. I'm sure you do it a lot. But well, the hold on, hold on, Gary. We'll,
1: we'll, we'll come right after the break and deal with that because right. they're just assuming right. that miracles can't occur. They're just assuming yeah, God exactly doesn't exist. They and they've got to give That's evidence right. for their position. And we're going to talk about it right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with That's me, Frank Turk, right. on the American Family Radio Network, back in just two minutes. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turek, on the American Family Radio Network. We're talking to the great Dr. Gary Habermas, his magnum opus, volume one of four volumes, just came out a week or two ago. And ladies and gentlemen, you might have trouble actually getting a hard copy of this right now because it's already gone through the first printing. It's very rare to have a book that's 1,100 pages on an academic topic like The Resurrection sell out, but this one has. You can certainly get it if you don't see a hard uh, copy version. You can certainly get the Kindle version, uh, the ebook version, wherever you get uh, ebooks. Uh, and it is well worth it. I'm I'm going through the book right now myself. I'm probably about I don't know a quarter of the way through. It is an amazing resource. Again, it's about the evidence for the resurrection. the The official title is On the Resurrection. Evidences volume one by dr gary habermas and one of the myths that we needed to bust uh, before we even start talking about the evidence for the resurrection is the myth that naturalism is true and gary before the break you were saying that when you ask theists atheists people who are not theists why do they think naturalism is true how can you prove naturalism they say what
0: They'll say, I don't have to prove it. I do not have a burden of proof. I am an atheist. You are or are not a millennial. That means you do or you don't believe in the millennium. I don't believe in God. The prefix a negates the word. I simply negated your word. I don't have a worldview. I don't have a worldview, they say, which is totally naive. Mm -hmm. Like I said, an, an intro to philosophy course cures that. Um, I don't have a worldview, and I'm I'm not asserting anything. Excuse me. You have a worldview, and you just asserted that you're not an atheist. If you're not an atheist... You're not a theist. You're
1: You're not a theist, you mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're not a theist.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and you're taking one of the views, one of the views. I'm a materialist. I'm a naturalist. I'm a whatever. You just bought into a view. No, I'm not doing that. I'm only saying I'm not an atheist. Well, you think you're a something, and and what kills me, (laughs) Frank, is... The two big arguments that are usually given for it, problem of evil and evolution. Okay, the biggest problem for evolution is everybody knows it can't answer the cosmological question. Mm -hmm. And if you you can, a lot of Christians do this. I don't. A lot of Christians take all of evolution, they insert God at the beginning of it, and it's called theistic evolution. Evolution by itself doesn't cut it. And if you do evil, I have a long appendix where I talk about the Naturalistic philosophers, the atheistic philosophers, big names, the biggest names, who say this does not disprove God. Of course, it not. makes it trouble. It makes it troubling. But you can have a view of God where you kind of go between the pegs and you make it work. And you can make your view of God work in spite of the evil in the world. I- I'll give you just one example. Maybe the best book written on this subject is a great little volume by Alvin Plantinga. Avon Planaga, God, Freedom, and Evil. And mm. when he gives his famous free will defense for the resurrection for, <laughs> for the resurrection, famous <laughs> free will defense against the problem of evil, he's maybe the most sophisticated theistic philosopher in the world. He and Richard Swinburne. And he says at the end of the book, my defense answers the problem of evil by itself. I have answered the problem of evil. Mm. And the atheist will say the biggest ones, I can give names, but the biggest ones have said, evil's a problem. It doesn't eliminate God. So if your two biggest arguments can't prove your worldview, why are you assuming the whole basis against me when you have not shown you're true? It's true. And then here's what gets me mostly. You can tell I get worked up. This really gets me. (laughs) Frank, this is what kills me. I'll go, Let me give you 10 evidences for the resurrection. Those are wonderful. I need more. Okay, great. Let me give you four more. Oh, yeah, but great claims uh, require great evidence. Ho, 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 time out. They only require great evidence when, A, you're a naturalist, which can't be proven, and, B, you keep asking me to give them no matter what, and you haven't given a stinking one. (laughs) <laughs> so why don't you try giving some arguments no i'm not going to go there oh i guess you're not but if you're not going to your view don't use it against me don't use your view That's against right. me and then dare to ask me for evidence and no matter what i tell you i need more i need more i need more hey bozo why don't you start with one? <laughs> oh well i'm not on i'm not on stage here i'm sorry you are to be an atheist you have a to be a naturalist of any sort you have a world view
1: you see, despite being a great academic, Gary's also a hockey player. <laughs>
0: so, hey, That's Bozo, right. give me an argument. <laughs> That's right.
1: Hey, Francis, we've talked about so many times on this program. If Genesis 1-1 is true, naturalism's false, and God exists. And the evidence shows that even many atheists are admitting that space, time, and matter had a beginning out of nothing. They don't think it's God, but what else could it be to create a whole universe out of nothing? And secondly... If we are just molecular machines, as the atheists say, we shouldn't believe anything we think, including the thought that Jesus did not rise from the dead. So they've neutered the argument from reason by making reason uh, uh, un—what's the word I'm looking for? Impossible. They made the reason impossible if there is no spiritual realm at all. And so— uh, Genesis 1-1 shows there, there there has to be a being like God because the evidence shows that the universe had a beginning, as, as even Stephen Hawking and many other atheistic scientists admit. And secondly, their ability to reason rules out naturalism as well. So naturalism is off the table, Gary, if those facts are true. Let me ask yeah. you another myth that maybe you can bust for us. And it's it's. Uh, It's all over the book, but obviously we can't cover 1,100 pages here in in this uh, 45-minute podcast. But I think a lot of people, lay people, think that there's no way, Gary, you can use anything in the New Testament as evidence for the resurrection because these Bible writers were biased. And, Gary, that would be circular reasoning. You're using the Bible to prove the Bible. How do you respond to that?
0: I tell them, go read Bart Ehrman. (laughs) <laughs> if if they dare to read Did Jesus Exist by Bart Ehrman, here's what here's a great little comment he makes. He says, I'm told that I'm wrong as an atheist New Testament specialist because I use historical passages in the gospels that everybody allows but they say i'm wrong because i'm using the christian book he goes let me ask you something if i'm doing here's it it's Hill's illustration if i'm doing a book on the american revolution am i or am i not allowed to interview george washington Hmm. And if I can't interview George Washington and other generals from both sides, well, then I can't interview British generals because they're prejudiced. Can't interview George. I can't do a book on the Revolutionary War. Not a good one. I can't talk to the eyewitnesses. And Bart, for example, to to give one example, he doesn't think. The apostles wrote the four gospels, but he says in Galatians 1, which is accepted by everybody, and again in Galatians 2, Paul made two trips to Jerusalem. The first time he spent 15 days with Peter and James, the second time, Peter, James, and John. And and Paul specifically says, I was talking about the content of the gospel, Galatians 2, 2. And here's Bart Ehrman. Where do we get closer to eyewitnesses than this? Hmm. So Paul's interviewing Peter and James and later John is sort of like Bart mythically uh, interviewing George Washington for the Revolutionary War. He said, if you don't think I'm going to go to the generals for the American Revolutionary War, you're crazy. You don't know how to do history. That's Bart on Mm. history. And he's an atheist. So the answer is this We I use the facts which atheist, agnostic, non-Christian New Testament scholars will concede as being easily true. Bart gives 15 independent sources for Jesus dying by crucifixion within 100 years. That's his historical period. It's very fair. 30 AD to 130 AD. How many sources are there? Well, he lists a good number, and many of them are not in the New Testament. They are not, so that's another answer. Don't use the New Testament if you're that hung up on it. But Bart gives fifteen sources for crucifixion. So here's my answer: Do it the way the atheistic New Testament scholars, and go tell them they're crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. And you point out in the book, Gary, over and over again that that uh, scholars from atheist all the way to Christian. Agree on these essential facts, Because there is historical data in the New Testament and we're not taking the New Testament documents as some kind of inspired text. When we do that, we are simply looking at them as historical documents written down by people who may have been eyewitnesses. Of course, we agree that. Uh, there is eyewitness testimony in the New Testament documents. Some will dispute that, but we give and you give evidence, Gary, throughout the book that there right. is eyewitness testimony in there. So and we're not years. using the Bible to prove the Bible. We're using historical sources that later turn out to be the Bible. Uh, sorry, Gary, go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah.
0: Well, I use six, middle, six, I use 12 total facts that I go yes. over in this book. Six of them. I reduced the list. Okay, everybody, virtually everybody concedes the 12. Then I go, okay, well, I'm going to get real critical here. I'm going to be a skeptic. I'm going to go from the 12 that almost everybody accepts to the six that everybody accepts. Hmm. And those are minimal facts. And uh, the biggest name critics accept the, the six facts. And I will use their basis after Bart gives that example where he says, why can't I interview George Washington? Why can't I go right to the horse's mouth for my report? He says this. He goes, I do not use these texts because they're in the Bible. That's not my reason. And he's totally right on that. We don't mm. use it because it's in the Bible. We're using texts that are, re- that are reliable historically. And like I said, in Bart's list of 15, there are probably, we're getting close to half of those sources out of the New Testament. There's Gary, probably you also, six, seven. You
1: also, you also talk about the criteria that historians use to try and discover right. whether someone is telling the truth. One of them, of course, right. is the principle of embarrassment. And right. there are so many embarrassing details in the New Testament documents that even if these writers were biased, You wouldn't think they would include these embarrassing testimony or these embarrassing stories. You know, why would Peter be rebuked by Jesus? Why would he deny him three times? Why would they run away at the at the crucifixion? Why would the women be the first witnesses at the tomb, Gary? This doesn't make any sense if they're making all this up. The
0: men were afraid. The men were afraid to accompany the women. And, And, you know. I mean, people say, oh, embarrassing doesn't make it true. Let's talk about how embarrassing. I mean, three times in the Gospels, Mark 3, Mark 6, John 7, it says, Jesus's brothers did not believe in him. And one text, Mark 3, says they thought he was mentally disturbed. They agreed yeah. with the people in the town that, what? First of all, the brother of Jesus didn't agree? That's right. And he thinks Jesus was mentally disturbed? Uh That was probably thought by somebody. It wouldn't be recorded because that's too damaging to Jesus's reputation.
1: Yeah, it's not an invented text. And these people, ladies and gentlemen, the New Testament writers had every motive to say Jesus did not rise from the dead. Not every motive to say he did, because by saying he rose from the dead, they were kicked out of the synagogue, beaten, tortured and killed. They were not inventing this for their own benefit they really believe this happened and we're going to talk more with dr gary habermas his brand new fantastic you need to get book is on the evidence for the resurrection of jesus on the evidence for the resurrection by gary habermas over 1100 pages check it out we're back in two with more ladies and gentlemen do you want to be fearless in your faith Well, if you're anywhere near Dayton, Ohio on February 16th and 17th, join me and many others for the Fearless Faith Conference in Zena, Ohio. Go to DaytonApologetics.com for more. It's going to be a two-day event. I'll be there. Greg Kokel, Elisa Childers, Jorge Gill, Phoenix Hayes, John Ferrer. We're going to show you how to be fearless in your faith, even on some of the hottest cultural issues. Just go to DaytonApologetics.com and see it there. Then on the 20th of February, I'll be at uh, Flat Creek Baptist Church. That's on a Tuesday night. We're going to be talking about correct, not politically correct, about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. Uh, So check all that out there. And then the following weekend, February 24th and 25th, I'll be way up in Vancouver, actually, it's more close toward Abbotsville, Canada, that's on the Vancouver side on the West Coast at Main Street Church. You can go to our website, cross-examined.org That's cross-examined with a D on the end of it.org. Also note, on certain Monday nights, we're going to be doing Digging Up the Bible again. It's going to be streaming live on our YouTube channel, our website, 7.30 p.m. We're going through the top archaeological discoveries of the Bible this Monday, February 5th. We're going to be talking a lot about archaeological evidence from foreign countries that confirm the exile, so you don't want to miss that. Just go to org and uh, look for our YouTube channel. Two words, crossexamined is the YouTube channel. I'm talking to my friend Dr. Gary Habermas, and uh, this magnum opus volume one has just come out. It's called On the Resurrection Evidences, over 1,100 pages. And uh, just before the break, Gary, we were talking about uh, the fact that the New Testament writers had no motive to be biased. They they were the ones that actually got the brunt of saying Jesus had risen from the dead. But here's my question, Gary, and you cover this brilliantly in the book, uh, and, and it's actually going to be expanded further in volume two. You're admitting, and even unbelievers are admitting, that the New Testament writers, the apostles, the, the disciples really believe they saw Jesus risen from the dead why are skeptics admitting this Gary why why are they saying yeah they they must have seen something
0: yeah the the, the fact that the disciples had real experiences it's often said that way real experiences that they believe were appearances in Jesus you will look hard to find a a critical scholar with a terminal degree in a relevant field new testament theology history classics archaeology philosophy you'll be hard put to, to find one specialist who denies that that's why at the end of the first volume i have a th- i have a uh, chapter on moving from they thought they saw to they really saw and mm. and frank you've already co- covered what's a really important part of that moving from they thought they saw to they saw don't assume naturalism on me don't go back at that point and say yeah but we don't know that world that world exists and and i give two arguments number one you don't have a single argument that proved naturalism is true but you're going to base everything against me on it if you if you just let the evidence speak you've got you well 1100 pages of evidence (laughs) against you but here's the other thing i say i'll often say i'll go time out now dale allison made this part of his comment on the book. He, he recommended this book. Dale Allison said, Gary argues from NDEs to resurrection appearances. He says we have to consider this argument. Okay. Here's what I say. They'll say there's no other world. No world exists. I'll say, do you want to talk about near-death experiences? I, I will give the guy's name. I probably should. I was talking to certainly one of the two or three most influential atheistic thinkers in the country, in the field, a a, an accredited scholar with a degree that's relevant and right when he said to me why should I what what about the world should make me open to somebody rising from the dead I said well let's just take a time out he said what about the world he asked me about the world I said can we discuss near-death experiences and he said quote I do not want to discuss near-death experiences and I said you just you just cut a leg out of the argument because once again you're making an assertion with no data. But if the, here's the argument: if there's an afterlife, if there's an afterlife, which NDEs are almost impossible to deny. There's there's hundreds of evidence cases if there's an afterlife, don't tell me I can't talk about an event that happens in the genre we call afterlife. The resurrection of Jesus is its a key event for Christians. It's his afterlife. It's our afterlife, but it is afterlife. So don't stop and say that world doesn't exist. Frank, but when I, I won't get off the subject, but when these guys are saying they look down and saw the doctors beating on their chest and they say, stop it, stop it, stop it, guess what? The doctors don't look up at them, some wispy spirit, and say, hey, don't tell me my business. I'm trying to bring you back to life. They don't have a clue the guys up there yelling at them. They're in another another dimension. It exists empirically. We have empirical data for another world. And that's their main reason for saying there's no miracles. They don't know. But if there's an afterlife, why can't I talk about the resurrection? Plus, that event is well evidenced on its own. So I say this worldview stuff is baloney coming in. If that's your main reason, you're in trouble.
1: Well, Gary, you have a chapter toward the back of this new volume on yep. near-death experiences, and these are veridical, ladies and gentlemen. What we mean by that is they can be verified. It's not just someone says, "Yeah, I saw my my grandmother who had pre-deceased me." It's someone that say goes up over the hospital and says, "I just saw an accident on Third and Maine." And when the when they when he wakes up on the table, he tells the doctor, and the doctor actually checks the news report or walks outside and sees there was an accident on Third and Maine. Just like the and guy the, described it, he, in and the police just,
0: report, if the guy was out yeah. for a half hour or forty minutes, which happens, yeah, the the accident from the police report happened during the forty minutes, and it's over before the forty minutes are over. Mm. Yeah, yeah, when they say things like "I saw Jesus" or "I saw an angel" or "I saw my mm. deceased grandmother," there's no evidence for that. I don't know yeah. what they did, but they're in another they're in another realm because when they're screaming at the doctor no one their wife doesn't say to them dear please come down to your body i want to spend the rest of the life with you they don't know the person's out there they don't know they're talking there's another world and we have empirical data by the way that essay that you're talking about in your death experiences in the book was published um with permission from it's a version of it was published by blackwell which claims to be the le- leading secular uh research company in the world and mm. That's a pretty big claim because, you know, where they're located in Oxford, right down the street from the famous university. And they claim to be the top research press. These guys aren't Christians arguing for this stuff. It's the data. And by the way, I'm doing two more now from the same thing that made a big splash.
1: Oh, excellent. Well, so, ladies and gentlemen, you have the argument from the beginning of the universe. Uh, if nature had a beginning, the cause must be supernatural. You have the argument from reason itself. If we're just molecular machines, we shouldn't trust anything we think. But of course, we can trust things we think. So our minds aren't just aren't just made of chemicals. We are actually thinking. There's a spiritual realm. We we don't we don't just have a brain. We have a mind, and we can reason to conclusions valid conclusions and now gary's also bringing up near-death experiences in other words there's remote viewing there are people who are separate from their body who are experiencing things that can be verified so this is not a naturalistic world where only natural events occur so the evidence for the resurrection which is voluminous in this book by gary habermas should if you're open-minded say yep There's a lot more evidence that he rose from the dead than to say that certainly he stayed in the tomb. Maybe Christianity is indeed true. In fact, I can't believe this quote that you have in here, Gary, but from Bart Ehrman. This is on page 385 of your book. Here's the quote. Bart says, we can say with complete certainty that some of the disciples declared that Jesus soon appeared to them, convincing them he had been risen from the dead. Here's Bart Ehrman, an atheist, saying, yeah, "Yeah, the disciples had experiences, and it convinced these people that Jesus had risen from the dead. So
0: what does he say happened then if it wasn't a resurrection, Gary? By the way, he goes on in that same context, and he says, I don't object to this. It's an historical fact. Uh That's what's said right there. He just said, the only thing he says to it is, yeah, it is, but we can't prove God did it. And... By the way, that's for a later volume. I do have a whole thing on the connection between God. But here, here's the point. Number one, if there's an afterlife from a completely different secular argument, if there's an if there's an afterlife, then why can't I talk about the afterlife? A specific case. Mm-hmm, I go, mm-hmm. Well, you don't know God did that, but there is another domain that shoots that that goes after the naturalism, as we've said. But an additional problem, they can't even prove their view. So they keep saying more evidence, more evidence, more evidence, and they can't handle the evidence they have. The the evidence is there. So I just, by the way, a book was published a few years ago um, by a major university philosophy professor in an Ivy League book. The whole book was was devoted to disprove, was saying miracles don't happen and the resurrection of Jesus is not a fact, the whole book i did a review for a for an oxford university journal and my whole point in the review is this guy assumes naturalism from start to finish and Mm. what the way i explain it is you're playing pool and somebody lifted up the end of the table so all the balls fall to one end and if i don't lift up the corner of the table i'm not going to let you play pool on my table so Mm. the table is stilted the point is the guy assumes naturalism and says well golly since naturalism is true, since naturalism is true without a single effort, since uh-huh. it is your miracle talk is bogus. Why don't you get your hands off the table and quit lifting the table up? Uh, exactly. Not once in the book is the is any evidence given; it's totally assumed.
1: Now, now, Gary, uh, it, toward the end of the section that you do on fact number two. There are six minimal facts Gary looks at. Fact number two is followers had experiences that Jesus had risen. That's what we're talking about right now. And Gary, you say that you have a minimum of 20 different texts, not only Christian texts, but texts from, say, early church fathers and also texts from pagans that talk about the crucifixion and perhaps even the resurrection. Can you just unpack that for just a minute?
0: Yeah, it goes back to because to, he's not the only one that does this. His, it, it's just really convenient about where he lists. It's, it's no one place in him. You have to put all okay. the pages together. Uh-huh. But he'll give seven sources for the crucifixion here, six more here, four more here. And there's 15 total sources for the resurrection in New Testament and non-New Testament sources. He accepts all of them within 100 years. Wait, 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 wait.
1: For the resurrection or crucifixion?
0: Crucifixion. Now, my point is you can use the same sources doing the same thing that allow crucifixion to tell you about these experiences. You do it the exact same way. you got some of the Gospels that are credited because multiple attestation, enemy attestation, etc., you've got those, then you've got the sources outside. And they all say these experiences are legit. That's why critical... Sc- I'm saying the same facts that do... Re- uh, sources that do crucifixion also do these experiences. You get there the same way. Wow. And that's, that's why Bart says there's no objection to historical facts.
1: By the way, you can still get the hardcover book on Amazon and Christian book distributors before they run out. They have a supply. So get it now on the evidences for the resurrection by gary habermas one more segment in two minutes we'll be right back don't go anywhere ladies and gentlemen you get a knock at your door it's a jehovah's witness or it's a mormon or you're working with someone who's a muslim how do you evangelize some of those folks how do you interact with them in a a coherent way how can you plant seeds that hopefully one day will sprout where people will come to know the truth about jesus you need to take the brand new course conversations with the faith by dr brady blevins he's going to show you practical ways to plant seeds to evangelize not only Muslims, but also Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. That class starts February 5th. If you're listening to this after that, you can still join it. Uh, probably a week or so after, because the first Zoom session, if you take the premium version, won't be for a week or so into it. So you can still join the class. Just go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses. And if you just want to take them in a self-paced way, you can take those as individual modules. So if you're if you're you just want to take the class about Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or Muslims, you can just go to the same place cross-examine.org. Click on online courses. You'll see it there. You'll also see the great Dr. Gary Habermas's course on the resurrection. If you want to take that, you can as well. He's my guest today. And the brand new book is out, volume one of a four-volume set, Gary's magnum opus on the resurrection. Evidence is over 1,100 pages. We've just been scratching the surface, obviously, on it. And uh, Gary, uh, you're not doing this book uh obviously to make money because you know none, none of us christian authors unless we're really up in the stratosphere make a lot of money on books why did you decide to spend your life studying the resurrection what what's what's really in it for you personally
0: well you know that that's crazy you know what i mean i'm asking uh, i've done hundreds of interviews and, and mm-hmm. one question that comes up a lot is this one why did you pick the resurrection and give us all these evidences that we can benefit from? I'll bet you did it because you're altruistic and you want to help other people. Mm-hmm. I'll go, I wished I were, but that's not how it started. It started because I was deep in doubt for many years, 20 10 straight and parts of 20, parts of the last 10 for 20 total. And, and you go, well, you're probably a kid or you weren't thinking deeply enough or whatever. Let me tell you something. After I got my PhD, doing my dissertation on the resurrection of secondary school, doing my dissertation on the resurrection, after it was over, I almost became a Buddhist. It stunned me one night to realize how close I was to becoming a Buddhist. And so, I mean, I, I, I was doing it because I was answering my questions. Now, if it answers my questions, I wonder if it's the chief event in the New Testament, which virtually every theologian in the new, whole New Testament agrees. It's it's Okay, if the gospel is the de- deity, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection is the center of those three facts. Paul says, without it, there's nothing. So I realized if it helped me, it can help others. And if the center is true, I told a group up in Pittsburgh yesterday, I told a group in Pittsburgh, I said, folks, let me start my lecture this way. If Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross, rose from the dead, Christianity is true. Mm. Uh, Frank, let me have a comment. The most common objection to Christianity from Friedrich Schleiermacher, 1799, to date, the most the number one criticism act easily of the Gospels in Christianity is the Gospels have contradictions. The Gospels have problems. Here's the advantage of doing things the way you've been describing it here. I use minimal facts. If someone says to me, There are dozens of contradictions in the Gospels. I'll say, hey, uh, time out. We're not talking about the passages that you think are contradictory. We're talking about the ones that everybody agrees are historical, and that's what the case is based on. Well, yeah, but if there's a lot of contradictions and things, that makes the other ones less likely. Really? Then why do atheist, agnostic, and non-Christian New Testament scholars unanimously concede these data? Why? Because the problems... Don't bother them. Let's put it this way. If all you had from the New Testament was these six, if all you had was this, Jesus, Son of God, died for your sins, rose from the dead, guess what? Christianity is true. That's right. From that little basis, that the gospel is true, Christian. Yeah, but you can't prove enough if you give me those three facts you just admitted christianity so i did it frank because it was my own answer to doubt but i realized it could minister to other people and that's the thing that floats my boat right now programs like yours programs that go out and people can think about it and i love greg kokel's sentence i'm not trying to convert you i'm trying to put a stone in your shoe mm-hmm. I, I love that mm-hmm. i want to put stones in people's shoes i just want you to think about it that's all i'm asking Think about it. This could change your life. Yeah. It, it, that's, it, why it, I, that's why I did this.
1: And you also personally uh, had a tragic experience when Debbie, your wife, died when she was 43 years old back in 1995. So what yeah. does the resurrection mean to you personally, Gary?
0: Yeah. She's the mother of my four children. She's only 43. And I'm remarried now to a family friend new for 15 years. But Like I I tell people, God's blessed me twice. I've Mm. had two of these uh, great marriages. But Frank, I had had just ended my time of doubt maybe four or five years before Debbie died. And I thought to myself, fantastic. It's not enough that my wife and the mother of my four children dies. I'm probably going to be pummeled headlong back into my doubts again. Frank, they never started. They never came back. And I had a make-believe conversation with God on my front porch. I mean, I sat there and did, and thought this. I didn't hear from God this way, but I had a I had a child monitor next to me, so I could run upstairs every time she turned over. She died of stomach cancer, and I was asking God, why her? Why now? Not why forty three? Not why when you call me to be a pastor? I mean, a professor? I can't even do it. And I pictured him saying, "What kind of a universe is this?" And I and I said, "Well." I don't know it's a universe where you raise your son from the dead and he said that's a good start he said listen you don't have to answer any of these questions there is an answer to why she's sick but I can't tell you about that right now it's pretty heavy you only have a phd uh, you know I picture <laughs> god I picture god saying that and going if all you know is that I raised my son from the dead go on with your ministry you got what you need and as i walked away i thought it's the theme of the book of Job. Job realized at the end that he didn't have to have his questions about pain and suffering answered because he answered because he knew the God who was in charge. And he said, "I know enough about God, Job. I knew enough about God to trust Him in those things I didn't know." And that's a, that's the that's the story he gave me. If you know the Gospels true. Let's let's shelve the rest right now. Let's just put it on. Let's say if I raise my son, Christianity is true. And that was the end of my doubts. And it happened a few years before she died that my doubts ended. And um, it sustained me ever since. I don't think I've doubted since then. I mean, it's been 30 years. And I don't think I've doubted by God's grace. But it's all about, Frank, everybody doubts. It's probably the most yes. common question among believers and atheists. Atheist mm-hmm. doubts. C.S. Lewis doubted. Other atheists have said that, they doubt, and uh, so it's it's not just true factually, it's ministerially true, it's a life-changer. If there's eternal life with, um, for, for those who've committed to this, they've walked a mile, they've said I do to Jesus in a sense, I, I do to God through Jesus. Um, That's the whole benefit of this. We're not just doing this to have a debate and try to prove something. It's something that can change your whole life and, oh, excuse me, change all your eternity.
1: Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, don't allow the things you don't know to cause you to doubt the things you do know.
0: Excellent. Yes.
1: And you do know that God exists, and you do know, especially after reading Gary's new book, that Jesus rose from the dead. All the other questions are just academic after that, because if those two facts are true, that God exists and Jesus rose from the dead, then what C.S. Lewis would call mere Christianity is true and you can be saved from your sins, not only forgiven, but given his righteousness. Sure, we can have questions about Bible differences. Sure, we can have questions about uh, the God of the Old Testament killing the Canaanites. Sure, we can have questions about uh, different aspects of theology that may trouble us, but that doesn't change what we do know. And Gary, I remember you saying, this is very powerful, you you once got a, a card about uh walking can you explain that walking hand in hand
0: yeah my mother who was best friends with my wife that's odd to be best Mm friends with your mother-in-law they were very very close and there came a day after she'd passed away and i was receiving cards and i was uh, she said gary you've got for the sake of the kids you've got to put the pictures away this is a few months later You've got to put the pictures away and put the cards away. You save them. They're keepsakes, but you got to put them away. The last, to me, it was the last card I got, Frank. I opened it up and I couldn't even read it. And I told people the line in it later. I couldn't say it for about a year. And this was the line. they said, The line said, how will you feel when one day you are in heaven <clears throat> and you're wife who just died is there and you are walking hand in hand through god's kingdom and i thought oh my gosh because we buried her we watched we saw the casket go into the ground there's no question she's irreversibly dead and the card said you guys will be walking again. And by the way, that's what I pictured God saying to me at the very end. That card, I put it into that discussion, and God said, son, I can't answer these questions for you right now. I'm not going to tell you the problem of evil. Everybody's worried about it. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to be in the kingdom someday, walking hand in hand with your wife. And Frank, when he told me that, it like broke my heart on the front porch because she hadn't died yet. But it caused me to realize, if that's true, back with Job i don't know why these things happen but i can trust the god who made them happen because i know the data
1: Mm. gary uh you've done a great service you're a hero of the faith a modern day hero with this book and i know you're still working on the other three volumes thanks for what you've done my friend
0: thanks frank three are at the publishers right now i'm on volume four
1: beautiful the volume ladies and gentlemen is called on the resurrection evidences volume one by dr gary habermas h-a-b-e-r-m-a-s check out his website too garyhabermas.com amazing resources up there it's always great having gary on and lord willing i will see you here again next week god bless